1: And Finley era begins in Cincinnati as the Bengals fall to the Ravens 49-13. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm your host, Joe Goodberry. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field, often looking like he was toying with the Bengals' defense as he connected on 15 of 17 passes for 223 yards and three touchdowns in the air. Jackson also added seven carries for 65 yards and an electric Touchdown run that was that made the highlights all across the NFL. On the other side, Ryan Finley getting his first start after being drafted in the fourth round out of NC State as the Bengals benched Andy Dalton during their bye week. Well, Finley was about the same as what they've gotten all year. Maybe the worst version of Andy Dalton they've gotten, but in his first start against a defense that is playing pretty well. I would say the positives are that he kept a few plays alive and and dealt with pressure better than Andy Dalton has all year long. And in that case, you got to see him get the ball out to some players, some playmakers, and converted some third downs because of it. But largely, the field felt shrunk, Finley couldn't stretch it, couldn't throw it out to outside the numbers, couldn't throw it deep. There was a lot that was missing, a lot of the little things that were missing from a nine-year vet to a rookie making his first start and in the end scoring 13 points on offense while being responsible for 14 points handed to the Ravens via a pick six on a boundary throw that was uh, stared at and then thrown late and inside. The ball looked weak to Marcus Peters, who returned it for six for the Ravens, and then a fumble on a sack where you see Finley's eyes dropped and he gets crushed and it was picked up and returned for a touchdown for the Ravens. So he directly gave the Ravens 14 points, only was able to muster 13 of his own on on offense for the Bengals. Not a good day for Ryan Finley at all. And I think we're going to step back away from this and people are going to question, why was Andy Dalton benched? And I think we get to the answer of, well... It wasn't that Ryan Finley was expected to be better than Dalton. I think he was expected to be different. And if you can be different and they can evaluate him, plus the pieces around Ryan Finley, well then that's the goal for the rest of the year. Because you've got to see if some of these plays where the the offensive line is giving pressure up, which is going to continue, has continued all this year, Andy Dalton was unable to get a lot of plays off on those or or he wasn't successful. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when facing pressure this season. Ryan Finley, just in this game, looked more composed and he can handle it. Sure, there were still some of the bad plays, the sacks and the fumble and some hurried throws, but at the same time, he kept a lot of these plays alive, which allows you to evaluate the rest of the team. And I think that is the idea here. So Finley wasn't good. The Bengals weren't good. The defense was embarrassing. They gave up 35 points directly to Lamar Jackson, who really, they had no answer. Just as the Patriots had no answer, the Seahawks had no answer. It's more than just his running at this point, which was a huge weapon, obviously. He is developing into a very, very good pocket passer. And he took advantage of a poor Bengals defense once again, I think if we're looking for any bright spots at all, it's that the running game got going. Joe Mixon carried the ball 30 times for the Bengals. He racked up 114 yards on the ground. That's just 3.8 yards per carry, but the Bengals definitely established the run and stuck with it for the entire game. On the other end, Tyler Boyd had a much better day against Marlon Humphrey than he did last time this, these two teams matched up, and Boyd had caught six passes for 62 yards on defense Jesse Bates had an interception sure he was on the losing end of a lot of these plays a couple touchdowns to Mark Andrews but Bates did have an interception it was nice to see him on the positive end of something and once again the Bengals pass rush couldn't get a hand on Lamar Jackson two times in a row now this one sack was from Nick Vigil and to be honest with you I don't even remember it but the big story here is that the Bengals are 0-9 depending on who you are and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like us. The Bengals are 0-9, and that is a good thing. With the Dolphins winning, the Jets winning, the Falcons winning, the Bengals are in clear advantage to get the number one pick. And if you've watched Saturday's games in college football, LSU, Alabama this week, that looks really enticing. And I think that game sold for a lot of fans. The reason why it's important for the Bengals to lose these games in the second half of the year. And we will talk about that. In fact, I'm going to spend a full segment, if we can, on that Alabama-LSU game. Because I think, looking at this entire weekend, sure, the Bengals lost. Yeah, they pretty much gave up 50 points. But this was a pretty perfect Bengals football weekend, if you ask me. Because, man, the amount of excitement, the amount of people watching that game, that that LSU-Alabama game, and I'm talking about Bengals fans watching, the interaction we had on Twitter that night, that was a good time. That was the most fun we've had all year. I mean, there's people commenting on everything, seeing what they like. There's people watching these quarterbacks for the first time, which I think is awesome because what a game that was to sell you on either one, both, is the goal, right? We want to, If the Bengals aren't picking one and they're picking two, well, there's a, there's a good option there. and There's someone that's really fun and, at the very least, uh, is an upgrade in in many ways. And I I think that's what people came away with in that game was, okay, these two look legit. I mean, that's the best competition either one of them may face this year, depending on how the playoffs go, the SEC championship, and maybe even the championship game. It could be these two teams if everything goes right. So we'll dive into that. We'll look a little bit more at this Bengals game, a little bit more at the Burrow 2 bowl, and we'll go from there. Don't fast forward through this ad. This one is different. It's new. It's unique. They reached out to us. This is something that I am super excited about. The people from the Kempton Epic Miami Luxury Hotel, they're calling Bengals fans. And you may say, why a hotel in Miami? Guys, it's for this week 16 game. They've got a deal for us. They've got rooms and tickets on sale for you guys if you want to go down there and get, go to Miami watch this game in person, root for them to lose, right? I think we may be in that, maybe like reverse, go wear Miami gear there, if that's what it takes to get Joe Burrow or Tua Tungabola. But their newly renovated luxury hotel is located downtown in the middle of Miami, minutes from the hottest restaurants and bars. There are infinite options for you to enjoy when you escape the cold weather there in December, less than 10 minutes from the beach, 20 minutes from Hard Rock Stadium, where the Dolphins play, and maybe you missed that trip to London but here's another epic opportunity to catch one of these few meaningful games that we have maybe the last meaningful game that's basically our super bowl the way i'm looking at it bengal's dolphins week 16 so the special discounted rates are at 149 per night and you got to use the code ug9 that's ug9 on top of that they reached out for the to the dolphins for us to get their friends and family rates for tickets. The tickets start at $35 and then club seats are $85 and the lower bowl are 90 bucks. And did I mention the low is normally about 65 degrees that late in December down in Miami. So we're going to put a link up on the Lockdown website. We're going to put it up on Twitter a bunch because I think a lot of people are down to go down there. I even have some shirts that were sent to me that if you tell me you're going and I see that you're going and maybe we can find a way to prove it. I think I'll send you a shirt that's the Bengals, Dolphins, Tua, Burrow Bowl, whatever it is at that time, whoever it is. I think the Bengals are winner here, and I think you guys can be winners if you take advantage of this deal. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, the, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper Faster Choice and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. So let's jump back into this Ravens Bengals defeat 49-13 again. Ryan Finley not great going 16 of 30, 167 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He did run 5 times for 22 yards, one of them being a 16-yard run. That was actually really nice. He saw the saw it open up and he took off through there uh, pretty quickly. But Not much there going on overall. He ended up only taking one sack on the day. I I would say he probably avoided three or four. I mean, i got to review it and watch the game again. I don't even know if I want to, but I will for Ryan Finley's sake. And because the running game finally looked like it came to life for the first time. And that's kind of to the point, I think. I don't want to get into this. I kind of didn't want to get into this. Someone mentioned to me on Twitter that, look, the Bengals established the run and stayed with it. And it had no effect on the outcome of the game because largely running the ball doesn't do anything to increase your odds of winning unless you're getting eight yards per chunk like a quarterback running does. And anyways, that's not, that's not the point. The point is Joe Mixon had his best day and that's a good thing because I, it looked like coming off the bye week. Here's what I wanted to see. I want to see them do some things differently. I want to see what was different. I want to see what did they focus on during that bye week. And I, I think, one thing for sure is is getting this running game going. It looked like they had a couple different variations in there of running state, running styles, running plays, and it worked well with Mixon. He even caught two balls for 37 yards, which on average they being 18 yards per catch. That's what you know. We don't typically get that from Mixon, so it was nice to see the ball going out there and and him and being involved in the passing game. The one thing I, I think was really eliminated from the offense was. The deep shots, there was only one to Boyd that I can remember on a third or fourth down. I want to say it was third down. And then the boundary plays. I mean, Tate's had big games constantly. Erickson, who didn't catch a pass this game, was nowhere to be found. I mean, he was completely outmatched against top talent corners that the Ravens have. But even on Tate, three catches for 36 yards, I believe it was. Yes, it was. So that's not enough, right? That We should be seeing more throws to those guys and you can tell that Finley just did not have the arm to get it out there. And Unless he's completely comfortable in the offense, taking a lot of reps, working on timing stuff, throwing off play action, getting some easy anticipatory throws over the middle, he's not going to be an upgrade. It's one game. Maybe he's going to be better in the next few weeks, but looking at it in terms of the future and if he's the guy so far through one game, we would say he's not it because we're not looking for someone that could be solid. We're looking for someone that can be great. And he's got seven games now to show that, which is a tough task for him. And, and Zach Taylor, too, because they haven't gotten a good quarterback play pretty much in every single game this year. So to expect to get it from Finley, I think is asking for a lot, obviously. But looking at it, I thought the O-line did its job. For the most part, there was still the same old with, in terms of, Cordy Glenn not being active at all, so he wasn't ready yet, but it looked like I couldn't tell. I didn't check, actually, if Bobby Hart was pulled because of injury, because the game was out of hand or what, but at one point Andre Smith was at right tackle. I thought Billy Price stood up in terms of missing blocks. There was a couple where I just, he slides to the right with everyone else and no one picks it up, so I don't know if that's the quarterback not picking the right uh, protection, which is what the QB does in the Bengals' offense and he's sliding, you know, doing what the quarterback tells him, and he, they don't see the guy coming to, from the left side. So that'll be something I'll have to review when the all 22s out or when I can clear my head and try and watch the game from a neutral perspective. On defense, Preston Brown was, for all intents and purposes, benched, and Jermaine Pratt was inserted into the lineup. But weirdly, Pratt gets the start, and all of a sudden, we're, what, second quarter, and... Preston Brown's back out there, and Pratt's nowhere to be found. And instantly, the Ravens start picking on Preston Brown in coverage. Mark Andrews catches a touchdown up the seam, where it's just him versus Brown, and of course he gets beaten. So, while on one hand, I'm over here, like, rooting for the tank, right? Rooting for them to completely lose this game. On the other hand, I want to see Jermaine Pratt out there. And I just, how do you let Brown get back on the field? And then we saw a little bit of Jordan Evans. Pratt was still out there later in the game, so it wasn't an injury from what I understand. It just was a weird day, I think, defensively again. The Ravens do that to you. It's hard to even judge. It's hard to say they're doing anything different. Actually, well, I say that. I remember early in the game, as the Ravens liked to come out in two, three wide receiver sets, the Bengals were coming out in three safety looks, three safety defense, and that was taking William Jackson off the field, leaving B.W. Webb as the only corner, and putting in Brandon Wilson as another safety. That way they could cover... The uh, tight ends for the Ravens. This wasn't like a big nickel or anything. This was more like a big base defense. I don't even know what you call that. Is that. A, that's not a bear. No, I don't, I don't know what you call that. I'm speaking out loud here. So what happened right off the bat, the Ravens attack it with Hollywood Brown up the seam, and he beats Webb and Wilson. More on Wilson, in my opinion, because he's late to recover and react. But then they go right down the field. Jackson goes three for three. 70-something yards, touchdown. I'd love to talk about Lamar Jackson for a few minutes. I'm not going to because I think people are sick of it. I think I think that maybe could go both ways. Some fans, I think, are looking at it like, why did you take Billy Price, you cowards? While others are like, you know what, he's already on the Ravens. There's no reason to dwell on it now. He is what he is, and they're going to have to deal with it for the next 10 years, so go get some fast defenders because... The Bengals look slow already. Man, he makes them look like they're in the Stone Age. Looks like they're running on ice. And he's the only guy with any type of traction. That's insane. I mean, this is what he looked like at Louisville. This is exactly what he looked like. And it's exactly what he looks like in the, in the NFL. For whatever reason, and I, I, I can expand on this and talk for a whole segment one day, but I think the NFL game is turning into the college game. And that's probably a good thing for teams because... And for coaches, because there's less bus in terms of fit. There's less guys that you go, well, he could do that in college, but he can't do that in the NFL. That's never gonna work in the NFL. You hear that all the time, right? That I understand why people say it. That was an old thing to say. That was very true for a lot of these players. I don't think it's true anymore. For for still a lot of types, Jackson's a great example. Because the game and the schemes are changing to do what they did to make him comfortable. So of course he looks exactly like that. And I don't know. So when I, I see that and I just think, man, this defense is so far away. I mean, it was, how bad was the defense last year? And they bring back all 11 starters, all of them, and said, let's run it back. And guess what? They suck again. So here we are with nothing to really look forward to on the defensive side. Man, Carl Lawson was back. I didn't see him. <laughs> I didn't see him one time. I was, trust me though, I was half paying attention into that third quarter. I started making dinner and relaxing and just really keeping an eye on some of these other scores because the game got so crazy so quickly. They were just no match for the Ravens, who look tremendous right now. Yeah, so there's not much to talk about for this this game. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go to the Bama LSU game because that was infinitely more exciting, more entertaining, and more hopeful than anything we saw from the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium this Sunday. So the LSU Tigers go into Alabama, and it felt like they, for the most part, really dominated. Did what they wanted to do in Tuscaloosa. They won 46-41. The game ended up being a little bit closer than expected. I'm I'm talking, you know, at halftime, LSU's up, and you really felt like they could handle this three. It was 33-13 at halftime. Burrow was almost perfect at that point. I think he was... 18 of 20 and he had three touchdown passes. Man, that game right there. That's, whew, uh, you look at it from both quarterbacks' perspectives. It ends up being Joe Burrow's night in terms of the Heisman stamping it as first overall pick. Take me, you must take me. I mean, he demanded. He grabbed it. it, it this isn't a thing like where we say, well, I guess he was the better guy. No, he grabbed. That performance, going 31 of 39, 393 yards passing, and three touchdowns. But I think a lot of people were surprised by his athleticism and his ability to run and his toughness running the ball. There were two really big plays where he took off running and converted on third down, uh, really put it out of reach. I think there was a couple, one at the very end there that he ran, that sealed the game I mean he took guys head-on didn't go down four Alabama defenders trying to bring him down couldn't do it he stood up you see his face is all red he's amped up gets carried off the field at the end so Joe Burrow's night 14 carries 64 yards by the way so really good for him I think some of the plays that were missed were a couple of missed accuracy throws just a handful of them I mean he only he only missed eight throws all together and Two were in the first half, and there were was a stretch there in the third quarter that allowed Alabama to get back in the game where Burrow just missed a couple, and then you could see he was just off a little bit. There were a couple sacks. two Two he clearly avoided. And I'm talking first half. Two he clearly avoided and made plays, and I was like, okay, good. That's what he can do, and he has done. He's been really good in the pocket this year. Then there were two that he took, and I'm like, eh, you know, not ideal. The one interception he was charged for, and actually they didn't charge it for him. They, they ended up calling that a fumble now that I'm looking at the stats now. They called it a fumble. It was a pick originally. I could see it either way, whatever way they want to go with. That's fine with me. Where he gets backside pressure, doesn't really feel it. Ball gets tipped up into the other defensive end's hand. So really a very clean game for Burrow. I think you came away and looked at it and said, maybe he's Matt Ryan, right? Maybe that's who he is. And as a floor, like, I think, like, all things considered, even projection, Matt Ryan as your quarterback with a lot of fire in him. And Ryan has that, I guess. They're calling him Matty Ice because he was good in the fourth quarters. Mm And, you know, he would take over games, have that killer attitude and instinct. But then you talk to people around LSU or scouts or other evaluators, and people go, he's kind of Tom Brady, isn't he? He's a bit of a nut. He's a competitive maniac, uh, he was called by um, Urban Meyer on the Draft Network or the NFL Network podcast. I'm sorry, they're having a little brain fire. Urban Meyer called him a, a competitive maniac. I mean, that's okay. That sounds great. His ball placement, fantastic. Anticipation, accuracy, touch. He came right out of the gates, fired up, right down the field, bang, bang, bang. Three for three, a touchdown, much like... Lamar Jackson came out, right? <laughs> Very similar. And, yeah, Burrow had a great day. And he should be the focus. He's the one that I think a lot of Bengals fans are like, all right, he's from Ohio, that's our guy. Number one, let's do this. And I'm completely fine with that because I I like Joe Burrow. I'd take him too. And we'll talk about some of the concerns. We'll get we have plenty of time for that in terms of draft season. And most of them aren't on-the-field things. They're mostly things that you'll put in your head that kind of lately I'm saying let's not concern ourselves with those. If a guy is flawless and Burrow's pretty much been flawless on the field, then that has a good chance to translate, like I said, with the Lamar Jackson thing, right? These guys are playing that way in the NFL. So move on to the other side, to a Loa one leg. You could see it affected him. It affected him right away. As soon as he started run, running on that first drive, rolled out to the right, he just inexplicably fumbles the ball. I've had that happen to me. <laughs> I don't know why it happens. Nerves, I guess. You just start to feel weird and you just drop the ball. So that happens. That takes seven points off the board. He has a bad interception. At the end of the first half, allows LSU to punch in a touchdown. A nice throw. Nice concept, too. Nice play by I think Brady, LSU passing coordinator from the Saints. Get that guy, too. But those two big mistakes really are going to stand out on the night. He couldn't move, he couldn't run. I think that affected him some. He's not a huge runner, but moving in the pocket and creating things, we saw that a handful of times where he moved within the pocket or stepped up or slid around, got away from pass rushers, and he made completions. We saw that still, even with one leg. But Tua ends up being 21 of 40. And on the night, he's the one who ended up dealing with the drops more than anything. Jerry Judy dropped two touchdown passes, one deep ball that was beautiful. Speaking of deep balls, Tua was amazing on the deep passes. That looked like Russell Wilson. People compare him to Wilson. I know he's not that type of athlete. I know he doesn't have that A-plus arm. But he's also 21 years old. And if there's another step of development in 22, 23 years old, which there is a lot of times for these guys, then maybe he gets that little bit of arm strength needed. Maybe he gets that little bit of boost of athleticism. I'm not saying he's Wilson. But those deep balls, those shots... The ability to move within the pocket, create, he looks like Wilson. So, Tua ends up being 21 of 40, 418 yards, four touchdowns in that one pick right before the halftime. He ran three times for negative five yards, but I think sacks are counted as runs in NCAA, so kind of hard to tell what that was, actually. I don't think he actually ran at all. Having said that, Tua was fun. He probably had five or six drop passes, so his numbers are a little off, but he wasn't as clean as Burrow. So I, I'm not going to make that uh, you know seem like that's what I'm trying to do here. I think both guys answered the question of, are they worthy of top five picks? Yes. Because that was two on one leg. If you haven't watched them, there's more games coming up, and hopefully he gets healthy for them. He was limping really bad at the end there. Once that adrenaline dies off, you're going to limp. You'll feel that the next day. Anyone who's played knows what I'm talking about. You... You feel the pain as soon as the game game is done. He fought through it and played very well, all things considered, for not practicing for three weeks. So, man, you know, I just come away from that game and I've never, this season, I haven't been, I shouldn't say, I should say, I haven't been more excited about the Bengals and their hopes and future, all things considered with this organization being a complete mess. The the prospect of drafting a quarterback, number one, Is sweet. It is exciting. Oh, it gets me amped up. That idea of doing that and having that opportunity, oh yes, please. And now that these teams are winning out there today, this weekend, the Dolphins again, I think it's still gonna come down to the Dolphins, Redskins. But those Jets that you know, they won again, they've got the Redskins this weekend coming up. One of those teams are gonna have to win. Could knock the Jets out of here completely. One of the few teams that have a higher strength of schedule than the Bengals, I believe, are the Jets and Falcons. So if they end up with three wins each, each of those teams, they're out of it. We don't have to worry about them anymore. It's going to come down to Miami and the Washington Redskins. So hopefully Redskins get a win this week against the Jets. I just think overall, exciting times, exciting weekend. That game was so uplifting for Bengals fans. Great weekend for for. Us here rooting for the men in stripes down there because even reading Paul Denner's thing after the game today at the Athletic, just how even the players are starting to feel like we are just kind of laughing at everything because what else are you supposed to do, right, at this point? Keep losing. Tank it out. Get to that point because I think that game, that Alabama-LSU game, lets everyone know that that is priority number one. And the Bengals did have a scout there, so... If you're concerned about that, I think they would pick Joe Burrow. And I'm going to leave the podcast at that. Sitting here today, I think they would take Joe Burrow number one overall. Does that get you excited? gets me excited.